know, I just know based on the past podcasts and, you know, you guys in general that there are so many narratives that were at play on Tuesday night. But I think the media has kind of, first of all, definitely slept on this kind of story. Uh, they have slept on Ocasio in general um, for a number of reasons. So, yeah, I just kind of wanted to, like, give my on-the-ground perspective. Last week, a 28-year-old Latina Bronx native named Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez unseated the 58-year-old career Democrat Joseph Crowley in New York's 14th District congressional race. Crowley was a Washington fixture, chair of the House Democratic Caucus, and a favored candidate to succeed House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi. Ocasio-Cortez won by a substantial 15 points, suggesting a shift in the liberal U.S. leadership. Yet there was little media coverage of her campaign before her win. New Models talks with Queens-based art and technology writer and political organizer for Ocasio-Cortez, Mike Pepe, for a first-person account. New Models Special Report. So I guess you could say I'm a writer living in Queens. I write about art and technology. Um, and right now I'm in Sunnyside, uh, which is zip code 11104. Uh, New York District 14. We're speaking to you from Prenzlauerberg, a couple hundred feet from the former Berlin Wall. So that has a kind of, I guess, <laughs> relevance on some level. Uh-huh. Um, from you know, living in Berlin, I'm not paying as close attention to like the primaries as I should be. There was zero coverage, or next to zero coverage, at least on the international edition of the major news sources, um, until like honestly, like Monday, um, about about Ocasio. Uh, I read I read that there was no New York Times, at least not a dedicated article about her, right. even until she won at all, which is crazy yeah yeah new york times taking like a hillary centrist position before like the Mm -hmm. votes even out yeah no that 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 makes total sense i was having lunch with my friends in jackson heights on uh sunday and we were all like really excited about this but in the back of our minds we kind of knew that despite all the virality and despite all the sort of excitement on twitter she might just fizzle out and actually you know not get people out to vote and you know we'd probably forget about her in a week um we were all very hopeful that she would win but we kind of just thought that the Queen's Democratic Party machine would just totally stifle and, you know, get out the vote or something. So, so um, you know, we were totally ready to, like, have this be a footnote of history. And then once, once we saw the first returns come in, we were just elated. And it was just like, wow, we are going from, you know, talking about this as like a local issue in Jackson Heights to this being an international story in less than 24 hours. So that makes total sense. Uh, I wonder, especially as you know, someone who's dealing with media theory, I wonder like what role you felt that social media or like platform communication played in the like success of her campaign. And if there was anything that's done differently, or is it that people are engaging in platforms in a different way? Or like what, how has, how has that kind of engagement evolved since Bernie? And um, are there any strategies to, uh, to use it differently going forward so we can keep this momentum going? Yeah, so that's a great question because, you know, she had that video that went viral. Women like me aren't supposed to run for office. I wasn't born to a wealthy or powerful family. Mother from Puerto Rico, dad from the South Bronx. I was born in a place where your zip code determines your destiny. My name is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I think the fear was that all the viral social media kind of success that you had um, was actually not going to translate into getting people like on the block out to vote, right? So 
I contrast this with DeRay's kind of ill-fated, uh, you know, social media uh, fed um, run for mayor, or uh, I think it was some something local in his in his in his uh, in his county. Um, we were worried that you know it would be a lot of noise, but actually you know no kind of uh, on the ground support. Uh, in contrast to that, I think Acasio and all of the different local uh, orga organizers that helped run our campaign, they sort of like did the unsexy organizing. Like they got people to vote. They knocked on doors. Um, in a lot of ways, you could say that, you know, social media was kind of, you know, icing on the cake. But I think that she put in the work to get people out to vote. And I think ultimately that was the difference. You know, I, I guess I could round it up by saying like, the, the social media helped her, but she didn't raise a ton of money from it. I think it really came down to like good old fashioned organizing and get out the vote campaigns. I mean, I I wonder if there's, I mean, with this kind of de degree of uh, internet burnout syndrome happening uh, and, and just kind of how people even are fearful of, uh, like try to avoid the news these days. Um, I wonder, do you think maybe the the uh the right path for democrats in general might be kind of uh to really as as the as the right really has kind of colonized the online space maybe it's time for the left to start hitting from reality um yeah i mean i think another point to make uh, is that she basically used the, the the bernie playbook i mean obviously she was a former bernie organizer um, you know, her, 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 her kind of the content of what, of what she was running on was very much like the Bernie wing, uh, if you will. But the playbook was basically very similar. Um, it was small donations, knocking on doors, actually listening to voters. Um, whereas her opponent's playbook, Crowley, was, you know, pretty similar to kind of this complacency uh, that maybe you saw the Hillary campaign where it was sort of, you know, they definitely took voters for granted. So, I mean, I'm not sure how to actually answer the question. I think like uh, social media can definitely be a tool to kind of um, to listen to voters and to kind of brand yourself as someone uh, who cares. But ultimately, I think the people in the district kind of appreciated her like IRL presence, like actually knocking on doors, uh, you know, living in the district, unlike her opponents, stuff like that. So, so I think it's a combination of both. Is, is do you think like the the new model is just the Bernie playbook plus a millennial candidate? Do you think there's like a generational component to her success? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, th there there's like we could do an entire episode on the demographics behind what happened here. Like, um, there's I think there's a uh, there's obviously sort of like an ethnic demographic situation in this district that I think caught Crowley by surprise. I mean, it shouldn't have been a surprise, but apparently he didn't uh, do anything to address it. Um, and then there's also, there is a generational issue as well. Um, I think that, you know, when I was going to the polls, um, I guess I saw a lot of people at the polls that I hadn't seen in my, in my district before. Uh, and I kind of mean, uh, that in the sense of like, I saw a lot of like New Yorker tote bags. I saw a lot of young people, um, a lot of sort of like people that I thought would, you know, probably, probably should live in Brooklyn. So she definitely like definitely moved millennial people who are, kind of, you know, newly kind of arriving to this district. Um, so, so yeah, I think there's definitely like, uh, she, she definitely used social media to, 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 to brand herself that way. Um, this is, this may sound naive because, but I, I didn't follow the, the campaign really. Um, but was, was there anything maybe from the, you know, I, I mean, what people would call the SJW left 
that she kind of de-emphasized or moved away with that was helpful or was her platform uh, still really strong in identity politics components and, and uh, I don't know what the right would criticize as being SJW type material. I'm just wondering if she played it a little closer to the center or uh, if if this was really a, a, a kind of like... I, I don't know, a, a, a really strong far left kind of candidate. I think she played it perfectly because this question came up with, in her interview with Glenn Greenwald, um, as it did, uh, it also came up in her debate with Crowley on like a local TV station that like, you know, not that many people watch. Um, the, the, the point that Greenwald made was, you know, uh, how important is your identity uh, as a Latina woman um, you know, play into this? Are you playing that card, right? Uh, her answer was brilliant um, because, you know, just like her answer to, you know, what does a socialist mean? Um, her answer was basically, look, it doesn't necessarily matter. Um, she brought it back to the common denominator that she's actually listening to the constituents and she cares about working class people who, you know, disproportionately make up her district. So I think when she gets these questions, um, she always brings it back to just like, we have to listen to people who are struggling in the district, right? So she kind of like, she definitely uh, has a good way of kind of like batting away that question. So she is in a, in a way just bringing it back to almost maybe a class basis, it seems? Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, I think that's what, you know, attracted folks like the DSA. That's what attracted a lot of people who are, who are um, you know, have been seeing people struggle in the district for a while. I think she definitely brought it back to that question. Just to free associate, but... Um, in some ways, you see, like, you, you could make this, like, comparison, like, a Patreon model versus, like, a buying followers model. And, like, the one thing that Trump succeeded in doing was, like, actually channeling, like, real subscribers or something and then, like, mirroring them and modeling them and, you know, not exactly, like, the America's proudest. But um, whereas Hillary just sort of bought... Uh, bought her followers, right? And was like, look, I have a bazillion followers. I'm fine. It's kind of like a bad influencer who wants to get like free nights at a hotel. So just like buys a bunch of bots. Um, and in a weird, interesting way, it's like Ocasio is is using the like Patreon, like real subscriber model in order to mobilize her base. And it's just, I mean, she's just so, in my view, it's like she's so in tune with exactly how value is being produced, communities being cohered, and a kind of, you know, there's tribalism everywhere. That can be good or that can be bad. And it was so exciting to see an instance that's like, uh, not not like racist, misogynist, uh, xenophobic, but the opposite. Yeah, totally. I, I think that, um, you know, whatever you want to call them, millennials, definitely sort of sniffed out the lack of authenticity of uh, coming out of the Hillary campaign, you know, despite, you know, most people end up voting for her and agreed with her. But um, Ocasio definitely did the hard work to earn the followers, if you will. Um, so yeah, that, that, that analogy makes total sense to me. Uh, do you think there's any like major obstacles in her way for getting the general? I mean, what's her, what's her competitor? What's the Republican like? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm actually like kind of, I wouldn't say I'm, 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 I'm totally elated that this happened, but I'm not naive enough to like, you know, realize that we're not out of the woods yet. Um, her, 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 uh, opponent is, I believe, we'll have to fact check this, but this guy named Pappas, who um, I think like perennially wins the uh, the Republican seat. Maybe he's been defeated before, but um, I think that you know, in the last like four elections, this district is like eighty percent Democrat, right? So it, something's going to have to really go wrong. Um, 
I think she'll probably sail through, right, in the general. But but the question then becomes after that for her political future, like how does she deal with uh, this, uh, this 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 tag of socialist? Uh, you know, how does she deal with the kind of uh, uh, Alex Jones type stuff that's that's already coming out about about her, which is like also like extremely uh, inflammatory. Um, you know, kind of like grafting all of the worst, uh, you know, alt right imaginary onto this onto this figure. So so I think it's going to really it will definitely suck if she becomes this target and the symbol of that um, and doesn't sort of you know uh, transcend that and and, and unite people. And I mean, and let's be honest, there's also like the centrist wing of the Democratic Party who who right now is in, I think, at least locally, is in total disarray. Like they don't even know what to, what to do and how, and how to deal with this. And I think that's being covered in the news a little bit. But, um, you know, that's let's let's face it. That's that's also going to be a, um, an upcoming obstacle for her. So. Um, just just for any, you know, right wing listeners, um, she doesn't sacrifice children <laughs> to Satan or anything like that, does she? Um, oh, oh um, yeah, no, I don't think she does that. But, um, you know, I, I saw I sent something to Dan about uh, Josh Citarella texted me this morning about um, Alex Jones is already sort of comparing her to the Venezuelan socialism, which I guess is like what he does to everything. But um, yeah, so that's uh, I guess she ran on the, the Venezuela platform, I guess. I don't know. I have it here. Oh, Meet my. the face of tyranny and suffering. Oh my god. Uh, god. Well, I mean, I, mean, I, saw, I saw the um, Hannity. Yeah, Hannity had like the uh, a nice like image of all the things she stood for, and it was just like it wasn't even like transformed. It was just like a lot of really good policies. And it was just like <laughs> there was a, a very effective uh, campaign ad. No, it's incredible. I mean, Alex Jones and Hannity are doing a better job of messaging uh, future candidates to 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 the left than uh, than the DNC is. <laughs> oh right, because they're all there his hysteria. Well, with you know how much uh, oil, how, mu- how much the Bronx depends on their oil refineries and natural gas deposits. Coal mining. The, the, coal mining. The, the Venezuela connection, you know, you can't really argue with it. Go, I mean, on the ground there, of course, you know, we've all lived in Berlin for several years now. I mean, does is do you get the that kind of feeling like that that almost je ne sais quoi feeling that she's like she could be really big or take it all the way. Is is she potentially like a she and Obama? Yeah, a hero. <laughs> well, yeah, or like a hero of of the right, left, right? I mean, I, I was in art school in Chicago when Obama ran for Senate, and I very much remember that feeling. Even then, I mean, I guess he spoke at the DNC that summer, but it was very clear that he had that kind of trajectory already. So I, I mean, I yeah, get we, that, I get that feeling. I we 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 keep saying that. I mean, the the name of the Berlin Biennale this year was. We don't uh, need another hero. We don't need another hero. But yeah, last podcast we were like, yeah, actually, we definitely need another hero. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering if you just get that kind of vibe from her. Like, Yeah, I, I definitely do. I think she uh, speaks to and represents like where, you know, I personally believe the, the Democratic Party or another party will have to go to win elections. So I, I certainly hope so. I mean, I think um, I, I think she's proved a lot uh, in this, you know, this election. I mean, to also play devil's advocate, um, and I think maybe like Rachel Maddow and some of the other centrists on Twitter were kind of talking about this too, how like, you know, it's, it's, it, while it is a big district, it was a primary. So, you know, we'll see the sample size isn't, isn't huge yet. So I guess we still have to wait like a year or so to see like uh, what she does in, you know, in Congress and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I think from a messaging perspective, uh, this, you know, I think, I think she's the future, um, you know, so I definitely feel that she, uh, 
she has a bright future ahead of her. Are there are there any other candidates that that are like her that you know of that are running for Congress anywhere? Like uh, um, demographically and politically similar. Well, yeah. So the other the other news uh, coming off of that night was uh, that Ben Jealous won uh, his uh, primary for. Uh, governor of Maryland, and he was another uh, sort of, I guess you could say, like someone who uh, was riding on the coattails of Bernie, um, you know, I think quite explicitly, right? Like Bernie had done a lot of work uh, for him. So that was another victory. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would count him him as one for sure. Um, and another thing, I haven't like quite done the analysis yet, but uh, if you look at some of the other New York City districts, uh, a lot of challengers to the incumbents in the uh, in, in the in the Democratic primaries uh, did quite well right so I think like what you're just seeing is you're seeing a lot more people kind of stand up and you know quote primary uh, uh, people people in the Democratic Party so I think it's another thing to look out Sorry? for. I have a last question have you ever been to the bar here she worked at no i didn't um but we were going crazy because uh i think i think that bar was in manhattan but we were going crazy because um the food out here is obviously amazing um and at the end of the debate with crowley uh the moderator said what's your favorite restaurant in the district uh and it turns out she is you know obviously more of a a bronx resident um so she mentioned like a taqueria in on starling avenue which which i had never been to um and then it's kind of funny because that question was like such a beautiful symbol of the, of the sort of like different demographics because Crowley mentioned like the most like white tablecloth Goomba, like Italian restaurant on Queens Boulevard, which by the way is also like, I really like that restaurant. <laughs> but it was just like, it was just like so perfect. Like it was like, he, he is just like uh, the consummate sort of like old boy network, like extremely, uh, kind of like oafish boomer out of touch absentee machine boss person and he couldn't have chosen like a more like mob like restaurant to symbolize that um so that was definitely like a highlight of that exchange he probably should have had someone like tell him not to choose that restaurant but apparently he didn't get the memo didn't he also put have like a, a city councilwoman uh, debate on his behalf at one point i thought i saw an image of that it was like a, a latina woman right yeah so he uh, kind of didn't really commit to campaigning. Um, uh, you know, he, he's, you know, obviously serving in, in Washington, which is like one thing, but he, um, did not really put in the effort. He sent, uh, there were two debates where, uh, one he didn't show up to, uh, and the other one, he sent a, a surrogate to debate. And, um, uh, you know, going back to your question about the use of social media, uh, Ocasio's social media team pounced on that immediately. Uh, and I think, uh, sent around a um, images of that, right? Um, you know, there's a kind of a world in in you know neighborhood politics where that wouldn't actually be seen as that horrible, right? Like uh, if you send a surrogate, uh, you know, at least you're letting the uh, you're letting you're letting the voters kind of hear your side. But I think in the age of social media, that optic was just so bad, and Ocasio uh, Ocasio's team jumped all over it. Um, and and you know, sending that surrogate certainly like looked horrible. Um, question about, I mean, I. I don't I I not like haven't read deep enough to really know like whether or not Bloomberg would actually run or whatever. But how do you think this is changing those like very wealthy centrist Democrats and their scheming for the the next um, the next presidential election cycle? Yeah. So another like local reporting thing I can do is just you probably heard from Twitter and and whatnot. The subway is just completely just 
you know, just broken. The very basis of this incredibly important part of infrastructure of New York is broken. People are largely blaming um, blaming Cuomo. Um, I think he woke up uh, uh, after Tuesday, and he, uh, you know, had to make a had to make a lot of different uh, strategic and tactical changes to, to how he's approaching this. Right? I think a lot of people kind of saw Cynthia Nixon uh, with like mixed kind of emotions. Like it was good that there's a primary challenger, you know, somewhat to the left, but. Um, I don't know if anyone was like really taking her seriously. I think uh, a ton of people are mobilized by seeing Ocasio win. Um, so I think like all the incumbents are scared. Um, there's no doubt about it. Well, yeah, I mean, at least we'll get a better subway system out of this, perhaps. <laughs> I guess maybe the other point I wanted to say was just like uh, this week obviously was a extremely depressing week, right? Um, based on various news. And, you know, I think there's sort of like a... Um, uh, a kind of defeatist attitude. Um, there certainly have been a lot of quote unquote L's this week, uh, you know, for anyone sort of left of Trump. Um, but I just wanted to relate like how inspiring and what a bright spot it was to see Ocasio win this. I mean, it, like I'm definitely a cynic uh, and I'm, de- I'm definitely sort of like think of myself as kind of like post politics and, you know, kind of uh, against the way these institutions are so corrupt. But Ocasio, I think, gave us a bright spot again to remind us that there are times where the electoral system uh, can work, right? So I think I think the way to take that forward is to like figure out what she did well, um, replicate it at a larger scale, and and hopefully that helps you know uh, fight some of this insanity that we're seeing. Um, but most of all, just like psychologically, like it's just great to see this happen. Um, it's definitely lifted lifted our spirits here. So. Cool, ours too. Cool. Yeah. All right, thank you so much, Mike. Maybe we'll call on you yeah. again for other, okay. like, yeah, you know, our, the, our, 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 our Queen's correspondent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm happy to be the Queen's correspondent uh, for, like, you know, whenever something happens in Queens. <laughs> new Model Special Report. Thanks for listening to this new Model Special Report on Alexandria Ocasio Cortez's campaign. We talked with Mike Pepe, and I am Lil Internet, joined by Dan Keller, Masha Chan, and Carly Busta. You can reach us at desk at newmodels.io or newmodels.io on various social media. And don't forget to bookmark our site, newmodels.io, for all of the information you want to know updated daily. Thanks for listening.